This is Te Pukenga, the New Zealand Institute of Skills and Technology, New Zealand's largest tertiary education provider and one of the largest in the world. Kia ora, I'm Sarah Robson and today on The Detail... The government's planning a mega merger of our polytechs. It wants to merge all 16 of the country's polytechs into a polytech on steroids. Come January the 1st, the country's polytechs and industry training organisations will become one big super entity, Te Pukenga. If we don't make change, we're going to see fewer courses in the regions, uh, we're going to see campus closures, uh, we're going to see more staff layoffs if we don't make a change. But... Your polytech dream, is it up and is it in tatters already? Can the government actually pull off its grand plan to breathe new life into the polytech sector and the 200,000 students who'll go through the system each year? And how did vocational training in this country end up in such a dire mess that a mega-merger was the only answer? What are polytechs and what are they there for? What do they do? Okay, well, polytechs and some of them are also called institutes um, of of technology, so ITPs, they provide what they call vocational education. John Gerritsen is RNZ's education correspondent. Hands-on training um, and courses, a lot of it's at the sort of certificate and diploma level rather than degree level, they do offer some degrees. So it's things like nursing, mechanical engineering, IT courses, very very hands-on sort of stuff. And and so you get a, a lot of school leavers will go and they might do, say, a hospitality program, learn to be a chef, that sort of thing. Or you might get, peop- might get a lot of people also in that sort of mid-career, career change. So that's the sort of the, the niche that they are occupying, that, that sort of um, work-ready training. You know, every region had um, its own polytechnic. Our hands-on training will give you the essential industry skills employers need. Join the MIT Fano, and together we can bring your ideas to life. In Tito top of the south is NMIT, a place for makers, problem solvers and thinkers. With Otago Polytechnic, you can learn how to do just about anything. Yeah, let's paint a picture of the polytech sector in New Zealand. You just mentioned there, there was an institute pretty much in every region. Yeah, that's right. I mean, now there's 16. Okay, 16 polytechnics and, and um, institutes of technology. There used to be a lot more. There's been quite a few have, have been subsumed by their neighbours because they're a bit small. So, for example, if you think of um, UCOL is the Palmerston North-based polytechnic, but it took over the uh, the, the polytechnic in uh, Whanganui, and there was also one in Masterton for a while. And, you know, so there's been mergers like that. Gisborne had um, its own polytechnic that merged with one of its neighbours. So you've had, you know, had all these changes over the years. So there's mainly driven, actually, by, by viability. You know, some... Some of these institutes were just too small to keep going, so they were subsumed by their neighbours. If you've got polytechs pretty much in every region, and Whanganui isn't that far away from Palmerston North, were you getting double-ups with courses or what was being offered... Yeah, absolutely. And not so much actually with, say, with your example there, but, but actually even more directly. So, so a good example, Southern Institute of Technology is based in Invercargill. G'day, I'm here Tom, and welcome to Invercargill. This is SIT, Invercargill's own tertiary institute. Um, at one point they started offering, I think it was carpentry courses in Christchurch. 
so well outside their region. And there was, for a period, quite of what they called this uh, out-of-region competition, which the government then made regulations to, to limit that. But one of the interesting things that have happened um, over the years is that almost every single polytechnic had an office, uh, or a campus rather, on Queen Street or central Auckland for, for international students. So, you know, they were doing everything they could to make, make enough money, and often that meant going into someone else's region either to offer something that, that the local polytechnic wasn't or to directly compete or to go for those uh, international students who would much rather study in Auckland than in some little regional town. So did this result in an oversaturated market where polytechs are just fighting with each other for probably a fairly limited student base? Yeah, it's hard to sort of measure that. I know um, certainly talking to polytechnic staff, they felt at one point that actually more of the competition was coming from private tertiary institutions that might set up in, you know, just down the road and offer very similar courses to what they were offering. So you had that direct head-to-head competition. But in terms of, you know, that sort of saturated market, I mean, but basically institutes every year they'd enrol students and see if they had enough and go ahead with programs or close them down. So how are Polytechs actually funded? They get government funding for every student they enrol. So off the top of my head, it uh, might be around seven or eight thousand dollars per student, depending on the course, or about five thousand dollars. You know, sort of a, quite a range. It depends on what expenses are involved with the subject. Then they also charge a fee on top of that, so they get some money from the student, and then they also might do a little bit of private consulting and so forth. But the the bread and butter is student enrolments and and um, getting the funding from the government and the student fee. But we've seen in recent years a whole host of these polytechs end up in dire financial straits. How has that happened? Polytechnics go through a sort of enrolment cycle um, that's linked to the economy in that when employment is high and the economy is going really well, their enrolments tend to drop away a bit. When the economy is not going so well and more people are unemployed, more people turn to polytechnics to retrain or upskill. So they tend to do they tend to do better when the economy's doing worse. And we saw that in particular in the GFC, there was a huge jump in enrolments. Yeah, that, that that's right. And what happens is as they move out of that sort of cycle where, say, the economy improves, then suddenly their enrolments start going down, and they've got to cut costs, or they're going to start making deficits. And some institutes have been better than others at doing it. Um, Certainly it seemed that over the years that the larger institutes were better at avoiding that that sort of a situation, better at balancing that out. But it has been a real problem for for many institutes over over the years, that sort of running into deficit and then managing to make surpluses for a few years and then back into deficit. I guess one of the more high profile cases has involved Unitech. Unitech, the country's largest polytech, has reported a $31 million deficit for 2017. Auditors are warning that the institution's viability is in question. Yeah, Unitech's an odd one because it was, for a while there, the largest institute of technology in the country. And it went through quite an ambitious change programme which seems to have coincided with or possibly caused uh, a downturn in enrolments and they ended up from being you know, the biggest, richest 
Institute of Technology, um, uh, making really, really significant deficits and, and losing enrolments. So they got in, in, a, in a huge amount of trouble. And you had at the same time a situation on the West Coast with the polytechnic there, Taipotini, completely different situation, a very small polytechnic that just couldn't make ends meet. And so those two at the same time were making deficits and required government bailout. The government has spent nearly $100 million on bailouts of polytechs this year, the biggest bailout being $50 million paid to Unitech in Auckland, $15 million was paid to Fitidea in Porirua. The government was, uh, it was looking at capital injections and loans totalling nearly $100 million because these institutes and, and a third one, Fitirea in Wellington, were all, for various reasons, having trouble making ends meet. Well, it'd be fair to say that we're monitoring the polytechs and institutes of technology very closely because they um, all, to some extent, have some challenges ahead of them. And uh, I'm reasonably confident at this point that Unitech, Fitirea and Welltech are the ones who face the most serious short-term difficulties. And that's where you've seen intervention from government in the last few weeks and months. And what does that do to the student experience? Because I guess, in a way, students are the most important stakeholders here. Yeah, I mean, some of it they're not going to see, but generally it will ma- what will happen is that institutes will have to cut back, so they'll cut back on staff. So they may find that they've got fewer tutors teaching them um, and those tutors are a a lot more stressed out, have less time Um, and so you know you could argue that the quality of the education can suffer. I mean certainly that's when you talk to uh, people from the tertiary education union that that's what they warn is a real problem that if you make cutbacks you know the quality of education can suffer. Uh, So you know to a certain extent some of those deficits and so forth are absorbed where they might use their reserves to cover the deficit, but where they make cutbacks, yeah, that can result in, in, in cuts to courses. Um, some courses might not be available or cuts to the number of staff who are teaching courses. You just mentioned polytechnic numbers there uh, and that it's stabilising, but is that enough to save what is a, a sector that's in dire straits? I mean, your own cabinet documents say that 80% of polytechnics are going to be making a loss by 2022. No, look, stabilising participation numbers, sadly, for the polytechnics isn't going to be enough. There's going to need to be much more significant change there. How does this all play in to general confidence in the polytech sector? I guess leading into the government's decision to effectively create, well, turn it into a massive mega merger and create a whole new national polytech. Well, I mean, certainly, I don't, I don't know what public confidence is like in polytechnics. I mean, they certainly, you know, seem to be able to attract students year in, year out, um, and and people sort of seem to know who what their local polytechnic is. It has that that local identity. The problem for government is just that there's this cycle of deficits and surpluses, and they just seem to be over the years always having to bail someone out. And, and I mean, that, that's really what's driven, you know, multiple changes to tertiary education policy over the years is how do you ensure that, that polytechnics are viable? And um, a lot of it, you know, it is down to the funding system. Uh, one, you know, it, it's tied to student numbers. And as long as it's tied to student numbers, you're going to have this cycle. So some people have said, well, look, give each institution a much larger base amount of funding. that They, they don't have to enrol students for account for. It's just, you know, there are going to be set running costs. So there's been that sort of suggestion. There's also been suggestions about mergers. So that's how we've got to this super merger which which is now underway that you know this is 
one way, hopefully, um, the government thinks, of, of finding sort of financial, ongoing financial security and stability for these institutes. The government's goal here is to ensure that we end up with more training, more options for those who are in the region, more opportunities for people to uh, train where they are working and where they are living. The Polytech mega merger plan was unveiled in 2019 as part of a mammoth overhaul of vocational education and training. Basically what the government has decided is that we're not going to have any half measures, let's just go the whole hog and just have one national polytechnic. And certainly if you look at you know, the number of students they've got um, and the overall size, you know, that's a, it's a doable sort of a proposition, but it's going to be complicated. And one of the warnings was that uh, if you put all your eggs in one basket – if the National Polytechnic gets it wrong, it goes wrong for every single one of it, its constituent parts. So, you know, it's, it's a, been a, I suppose you could say, high-risk strategy from that point of view. But, uh, yeah, the, 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 the basic premise seems to be there's safety in numbers and there's going to be savings made by just having one entity. Because you're not uh, having, you know, those double-ups with different admin, etc., yeah, back office savings has definitely been highlighted as, as one area where um, this institute could save money. But there's other things like, you know, when you're developing a new course, you don't have 16 different polytechnics or, um, all developing this course on their own. It'll be done once. And, for example, at the moment they're, they're talking about standardising course content across the 16 institutes. So, for example, they'll all teach the same nursing program. Now, at, right now, the nursing tutors are going, oh, hang on, that's actually happening too fast, slow that down. But it's things like that should be able to improve the efficiency uh, um, of, of all 16 polytechnics. The first big um, amalgamation step doesn't happen until the end of the year. We've given them a very long lead time for that. In the meantime, though, what we have seen is that enrolments have declined. You know, the the strong economic climate we've got, very low unemployment, uh, has, as predicted, resulted in a further decline in polytech enrolments. And, you know, the, the deteriorating financial position of the polytech sector overall is one of the reasons that we're doing these changes. But in fact, the deficit they're running at the moment isn't as bad as some of the forecast deficits that we were looking at before we started the reform program. So uh, it's not a surprise, but of course they need to be making changes now to respond to the fact that their revenue has been declining. Where we're at at the moment is that on January the 1st, Te Pukenga, the new National Polytechnic and Workplace Education Provider, will take over the 16 polytechnics. So at the moment those institutes are subsidiaries, but they'll become fully part of the new entity on the 1st of January. And what complicates all this is it's not just polytechnics, there's also industry training, on-the-job training. Industry training organisations will cede control of on-the-job training to the mega institute. So you've got industry training organisations which to date have been organising on-job training and apprenticeships in, in different areas like mechanical engineering or hairdressing, all sorts of things. Those organisations are they can join Te Pukinga or they can set themselves up as a private uh, training provider. Some of them have um, already opted to join Te Pukinga. And I think you know, the idea is obviously the government would like it if they all joined. Not, not all of them will. So at the moment, we're sort of halfway. It now has to come up with a, a really detailed operating model. And that's one of the things that's been, it's been running late 
uh, with, and there's been a certain amount of trepidation on the part of the Tertiary Education Commission and, and of the um, government as to where they're at with that because, you know, the 1st of January is rushing up. And so this organisation has to explain in detail how it's going to work and what also what's going to be different. The worst-case scenario, you can just keep the polytechnics running and the industry training organisations running as they were without changing anything, but that's not what Te Puking is there for. It's trying to... Um, usher in this new era of vocational education and training and, and it has to do things differently. So that that's what the government wants to see from it and it also wants to see some savings as well because at the moment things are not looking too good financially for it. How much of a roadblock is what's going on at the moment in terms of delays with this operating plan, potential big budget deficits? How much is that going to impact you know, come January 1 and actually doing this. Yeah, look, they, they, they need to have a detailed plan in place so that they can make changes and so that you've actually got a structure to operate on and, 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 and to go forward and, 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 and make the sort of changes that they've been brought in to do. In terms of the finances, that's tricky because, see, last year they were expecting to make quite a, a, a deficit, I think, uh, around $50 million or something like that. They actually made a small surplus. This year... They're looking at making a hundred and ten, hundred million dollar deficit. It's a hundred and ten million currently. How bad will it get? I don't think it will be a hundred and ten million. And the conversations I've had with them, that's a, an outlier number. Um, and they, are, but they do need to be working now to start reducing their costs so that they are bringing it back into line with the fact that you know their, their revenue has declined. So, you know, that's a, a that, that's a lot of money, clearly, but. They have told RNZ before, or they have said that they think that's an overly pessimistic outlook, and they are hoping to try and make some savings and maybe rein that in a little bit. So it still remains to be seen where that deficit um, lands. It's not going to completely cripple the organisation. It it's, 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 it's obviously no deficit is a good thing. How it's going to affect its operations going forward, I think, remains to be seen. Really, it, it can't keep making deficits like that. The whole point of this thing is to stop making big deficits in the polytechnic sector. So what's really important is that it, it shows that it can make savings and avoid big deficits in future. And I guess if it's making deficits, people might be wondering, well, why did the government go ahead with this merger plan, which was meant to resolve some of those issues that we have been seeing in recent years with the financial position of these institutes? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. One of the big reasons for this mega merger is to have a more financially viable polytechnic sector. So if it doesn't very quickly show how it can make savings and turn a um, surplus on its operations, then um, that's really going to be considered a failure. But I think it's probably really important to say here that um, the pandemic has had, had a huge effect on this in that last year... There was a surge in enrolments, and that really helped the institutes, you know, help them turn a profit last year. This year, that surge of domestic enrolments has fallen away, and they're back to the sort of levels of enrolment they had before the pandemic. But they've also lost most of their foreign students because those foreign student enrolments have been steadily whittling away as the pandemic's gone on because no new international students could arrive. So, so this year is potentially their absolute worst year because their domestic students have fallen 
and their foreign student numbers have fallen very low as well. So perhaps in the past, you know, when you were going into this plan and saying, okay, we're going to create this new institute, you could bank on the foreign students providing some sort of a buffer, and they haven't been there. So that's definitely made the whole situation a heck of a lot worse. Foreign students will be starting to come back next year. Maybe things will improve. Obviously, you don't want to rely on them as, as um, too much, but they, you, know, you can't get away from the fact they've been a big factor for polytechnics in recent years. I mean, it's the government that's pushed ahead with this merger plan. I mean, what's the risk here if it ends up with Chris Hipkins with egg on his face? Well, I think, you know, from the government's point of view, that's probably the biggest risk is that political risk of how does it look. Um, For the students and for the institutes, in the worst case scenario, they just keep doing what they've been doing. They just keep going as they are, um, essentially operating as individual institutes. So, yeah, I think, you know, the the worst scenario is not the end of polytechnic education or anything like that. The worst scenario is that it, it fails to provide that viability and security that, that everyone's been expecting of it. And, you know, this is a really big reform. You know, as I say, it's not just polytechnics. It's also the work-based training and industry training and, and, and this idea that actually the future of this type of training is really in a, in a sort of a mix of courses where you're, you're not working, you go and you study full-time and study where you're actually on the job. And and the idea is that the polytechnics have sort of got this expertise in adult education and the industry training organisations have this expertise in on-the-job training and you put the two together and it's going to be really good for our economy. I mean, that's that's the really big picture. And I guess everyone would be who's looking at it, who's involved, would be very disappointed if there aren't some benefits that come out of it. That's it for today. I'm Sarah Robson. The Detail is public interest journalism funded through New Zealand On Air and produced by Newsroom for RNZ. You can get us downloaded free to your mobile device every weekday from any podcast platform. Today's episode was engineered by William Saunders and produced by Bonnie Harrison and Mark Jennings. And thanks to John Gerritsen. Matewa. Wa.